Sean. Wait, what about Brick Steven? Steve. Brick Steven talks about bikes. Do you guys should have a bike. Can we join episode? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do wow, that would one. be impeccable. He just asked me for coffee. Wow. Well, we could start. I think we start now. We've, we've scandalously, should we? Yeah. Well, today we've got the lovely Mia coming on. Gus has just run out to get another friend of ours, Steve, who has more stories than a bloody library. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's funny because we've got a relationship in regards to we're friends, but I don't think I could say the first thing about you. Yeah, I was thinking this the other day. <laughs> yeah. I fully just, I'm like, yeah, Will, I see him everywhere. I see him <laughs> everywhere, but I don't know that yeah. much about you. Like, where, where are you from? <laughs> like, genu- <laughs> I genuinely don't know where you're from. What do, what do you study? Like, ah. I know, you're just there. I've, I've been at your house like 10 times. <laughs> We've got another guest on. This we've also started. Oh, we've also started. All right. Started. Steve. Steve. I like the spontaneous. This is our coffee time right here. Right here, right here. I love yeah. the spontaneous, chaotic energy start. Yeah. And so. Sit down. Yeah. Gus has just entered the room with a good friend of ours, Steve. <laughs> hey, Mia. So Mia and Steve are just cuddled up on the couch. So we were about to do an episode with Mia, and then Steve rode past, and I was just like, "We just can't not have we the just- guy on." <laughs> and I think they're like. They're so different, but the thing that binds them together is you talk to them. They're two of the most humble people going around in Canberra. Oh, they're that. two of the most lovely, like <laughs> wonderfully nice people. Oh, Everyone speaks so highly of them. <laughs> and they're the perfect example, both of them, of the reason this show exists, which is no one would have any fucking idea about how individually amazing you two are unless someone else told them because you never would you absolutely never would like you would never ever talk about yourself um i actually don't know where to start i like i think you guys are equally as amazing i know a little bit about me's story but i'd like to talk about it more i don't think bernsey knows at all no i'd love to start with me's story due to just not knowing it really so so i I, as i understand dancing Mm -hmm. you know and not of the you know you've had 10 raspberry vodkas at moose dancing like proper you know yeah just to preface this so mia Mia Rashid is at um, B&G along with Steve. Was. Both. Oh, no, was. Now lives with uh, Liam Singleton, who we just had on as part of Sully's Creek. And uh, one, of the, one of the many reasons I love Mia so much is because when we're out together, we dance in the most like horribly uncoordinated, like antisocial way possible. We take up so much space. We're bouncing around, jumping into people. <laughs> just zero coordination. It's a classic. But underneath all of that, she is a fucking amazing dancer. Ballet, right? Yes. Just classical, ba- classical ballerina. I, yeah, that was going to be my career. My whole life I always thought I was going to be a professional ballet dancer. Um, so, yeah, I went to a performing arts school. I did dance at Queensland Ballet, um, did full-time dance at Joffrey Ballet in Chicago. And... Yeah, and then the pandemic hit and everything shut down. So I had to rethink my entire life. <laughs> so when you were in Chicago, like you were probably on the precipice of being like an elite ballet dancer. Yeah. So what is it? I'm really interested. Like what does it take to reach that point? Like you, when did you start dancing? So I started dancing at four years old. Shit. But. You know, it's pretty amateur stuff. That a lot of girls get put into ballet at four years old. It's like just a little hobby on the side. Mm. Um, but for some reason, I just continued and had the opportunity of 
of there being a performing arts school in Sydney that I went to and that's where I really started to realise this is what I wanted to do as a career. Um, yeah, and I think it's just I dance a lot, like every day, basically, my entire life. Every day you'd train? Yeah. In mornings, afternoons? Like- yeah, like when I was at school, in primary school, it'd be every afternoon. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then when I auditioned for Queensland Ballet, that was when it was started to become a full-day situation. You do school at night or in the afternoon. Oh, shit. How they, old were you, you when this house happened? So this was, I was 15 when I went to Queensland Ballet. So I was there from oh my gosh. Year, year 10 and 11, I was there. In Queensland? In Queensland. Yeah. I was in Brisbane. And you're from Sydney? And I'm from Sydney. So Sydney. yeah, I moved from Sydney to Brisbane. Did your family come with you or? No, mm. I lived in a like homestay where you just live with oh another family. So I just had a room at the bottom of the house. Not, it was an underground. Like a Harry Potter situation. <laughs> <laughs> in the attic, like under the stairs, no. Um, but yeah, they made me dinner and that was about it. You'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, and so like you were like elite. Like you'll never kind of, I'll never know how good you were because you're so amazingly humble that you'll probably never express it fully. But like, you know, you were there like, and the path was clearly there for you to be like the tippy top. And so... This is kind of like tied to what um, we were talking about with Ethan Bateman, I guess, a couple of weeks ago in terms of like your kind of the whole identity, self-worth, validation being completely tied to this one thing. Mm -hmm. Like your entire self-identity and your self-worth is judged on how well you performed last night at the concert. Yeah, definitely. How did you find that? Um, Yeah, because your body is the instrument in this case, like very literally – it's all aesthetics, all the lines, your body is the line. And it's a, it's really grueling. You have to be very critical. And you're, you stand in front of the mirror all day, every day, just staring at yourself and criticising. Yeah, it's funny because ballet is something that's quite pop-culturalised in regards to, you know, the ABC3 had Dance Academy. And there's all these kind of things that depict the, the dance culture. What in, like, what's the actual dance culture that you experienced what was it like um I think in Queensland ballet particularly it was pretty toxic just because we had a lot of Russian teachers who are traumatized from their past of being told that they were fat or being told they weren't good enough so they kind of bring that into their teaching um I don't think they mean to be mean but it's all just underlying tendencies um yeah, in, in Chicago, it was really positive. Oh, nice. It was really positive. Everyone just loved dancing and all the teachers were really encouraging and they just wanted you to be free. So it was really great. Did you see a correlation between the people you danced with in Brisbane being under those Russian teachers and your relationship with the peers? Was that any different to your peers' relationship in Chicago or did you band more together in Brisbane because you had harsher teachers? Mm, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think, (laughs) yeah, I don't know, because it was also really hard in year 10. I had my first year at Queensland Ballet, had really great friends, and they were, like, the best friends I've had. But then you have to get in every year, and none of my friends got in to the year 11 year. So then, Yeah. (laughs) So then I just was so divided from all these people that I was really close with, and then I wasn't really close with the people in the next year. 
Um, and then, yeah, it was different in Chicago. Everyone, I was close with them. But I don't know, I think it did bring us together, but it also did divide us because only certain people were told that they needed to lose weight and others not. So there was a bit of resentment yeah. for some people. And so what, what's kind of the differentiating factor in ballet? You know, so what, why did you get in and the others didn't? Like, because obviously, like anything, there's a technical side to it. So how good you are at performing mm. certain things. But then there's like the mental side of it and like being able to take it day in, day out. Yeah. I think, yeah, they really, it's hard because they are looking for really certain things and you don't really know what they're looking for. What? In ballet, like what I don't really, looking, I don't like really know how, why. Body shape, yeah, like and like performance quality, your work ethic. They never really told us why only three people out of like sixteen got into the next year. Would beauty standards be a part of it? Like you fit certain conventions? Um, yeah, definitely historically, definitely there are such high standards in in like physique and looks. Like all ballet dancers you know conventionally pretty and yeah. like they all are conventionally skinny and proportionate yeah <laughs> you know but that's changing definitely yeah. well be, obviously to get to chicago and you know get to queensland you must have had a, a bit of x factor what do you think your <laughs> your big draw was as a dancer like and it's hard because <laughs> it's hard to talk about yourself yeah, in a high regard but you obviously <laughs> weren't a numpty <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you can just really tell when someone loves something. Yeah. When they do it, it really comes out in anything they do, including dancing. And because it was just I had never loved something so much. Yeah. So I think that was pretty obvious when I danced because I was very passionate and excited and I don't know, that, that might have been a part of it. And I also worked really hard so I like, improved quickly. So I don't know. It's hard to know. It's not like they tell you. <laughs> And the other thing, as someone who knows nothing about ballet, is your feet. <laughs> like those crazy <laughs> shoes and the blisters and like the foot bones being like cracked open and cracked closed yeah. just so you can perform certain things. Like what's that about? Um, yeah, I had all my toenails were bruised <laughs> constantly. And I, I didn't get blisters anymore because you just basically grow leather on your feet <laughs> yeah your feet would be like more callous than most like surfers who just <laughs> yeah like so many calluses yeah. um yeah and then with the whole cracking of the point shoes so yeah. you wear point shoes in ballet yeah, which yeah, is basically like a ballet slipper ballet shoe that has paper mache at the bottom so that you can stand all the way onto your tippy toes mm. and it looks like you're gliding or whatever flying um, floating above air and yeah people crack and mold their point shoes to fit their feet and make the feet look the best as possible mm. how have you found that love of dancing how has that transpired after COVID um I think when it first happened I hated dancing I was like I think because I was so restricted in my living room when we didn't have access to the studios and yeah you couldn't dance anywhere so I was just in my room standing on a kitchen bench doing plies mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to die so I think that I didn't I lost a lot of love for it because I just felt so boxed in mm. um and then I started to realize all the things I didn't like about ballet and then I just kind of went all the way the other way and I was like I don't 
want anything to do with this art form. It's so horrible. Yeah, well, what were some of the big things that you went, God, just can't be bothered? <clears throat> yeah, I think just because I realised how much I limited myself in the fact that I didn't actually do anything else but ballet. And I, my horizon was so limited. I couldn't see past ballet. It was all on my mind. So it was a bit like Stockholm Syndrome, you know, like you can't, you can't see anything outside so you're happy with what you've got. Yes. And COVID gave you that yeah. breath of fresh air of going, oh, there is a few other things that I might be able to put my energy into that might be a bit more rewarding than ballet and a bit, bit better for me. Yeah, that's exactly right. I felt like I had to have this thing yeah. to exist. My entire identity was attached to it and... I realised that there was so much more <laughs> to everything else. Yeah. Um, I'm making a lot of eye contact with Steve now. Why don't we go with you for a bit? Hi, Steve. Hello. Oh, God. Uh, I love his voice. I love Steve. We all do love Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, how do I... I'm trying to think how to... I think when I look at you, mm-hmm. you know the whole like old aphorism, like jack of all trades, master of none? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're the anomaly. Ah, an anomaly. I think it's a situation, jack of some trades, master of the rest. Interesting. Good way to put it. So Steve is probably, I'd say, the king of alt sports. Is that fair? I, I will agree. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of the old unique sporter hobby. Yeah. And so uh, the way I met you was, I think we're at Badger, like... And we meet a lot of other people. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. into cycling, but very boring lycra-based, like, road cycling. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I just want to go fast on, like, flat surfaces, and that's it. It's pretty mm-hmm. boring. You're the complete opposite. You're way more interesting than me. Big mountain biker, but also a unicyclist. Ex-unicyclist. Ex. Oh, we can oh, get into that. Yeah. Oh. But um, someone, because you would never bring it up yourself, someone brought up the fact that, you know, you're, you're half okay at unicycling. It was me. It would have been, Birdsy, yeah. And so... You know, we talked about, you know, how do you ever even compete in unicycling? Because you were telling me that, you know, there's many different, like, disciplines of unicycling. There's, like, like speed unicycling, like, mountain biking yeah, unicycling. it's, a, it's something a multidisciplinary sport. Exactly. So it's, what it's are the much, other ones? Yeah. Much like bikes, bike riding where you have, like, trials. You have um, just your classic, like, athletics. There are some fun niche ones, like juggling on a unicycle. <laughs> Um, you know, <laughs> they like to have fun with it. There's like freestyle unicycling, yeah, like figure skating, but you're on a unicycle. There's unicycle hockey, which is ice skating, but on a unicycle. They like to take oh ice sports <laughs> and turn it into a unicycle sport. Um, but like there's trials, which is like jumping over obstacles. There's like high jump. jump. The, oh. Yeah, there's like mountain oh. unicycling where you just get like a unicycle with like a big 29 inch mountain bike wheel and a brake <laughs> on it and then send it down these oh, mountain that's bike just trails. Crazy. Like it's a whole world out there of oh unicycling that no one, no one even and knows. And we were talking about it. And you kind of like played it down. Oh, there's so many different disciplines. Mm-hmm. And because I knew you went to like nationals recently or mm-hmm. like competed in like the well, Australian in, U Cycling in Championships. 20, it would have been 2014 and 2015. I went to the Uni Nats, yeah. is what they call it, the Australian Unicycle Championships. Um, and yeah, you just go and complete, compete in multiple disciplines and you know, compete against the rest of the other Australian <laughs> unicycling community. <laughs> and it brings and so everyone together. Like, there's, yeah. there's clubs around around Australia. And, and so I was like, oh, Steve, you know, which one did you win? And he just looks me in the eyes like, 
Yeah, I won the overall. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just so crazy? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just like literally like three years of my life. I just got super into this one niche sport. And then, you know, kind of, I went the whole way, went the whole nine yards to, to the nationals. And <laughs> are, you, are you continuing on with this, with what you say, ex-unicycling? Mm-hmm. Was there, was there a, a, a big shift in the unicycle there culture? Was. There was actually, was it? no, it was actually, I had a big falling out with my friend. Um, who I came into unicycling with wow. and then the both of us we kind of had a big fight and mm. then we had a big falling out and then I sold all my unicycles in a rage it sounds and like I, a Will Ferrell movie and, I, had, <laughs> and I, I never unicycled like for like four or five years after that and then mm. recently actually only like two months ago I just bought another unicycle and I have it sitting in my room yeah because you've I you've tried to teach me you've had it a couple of times mm-hmm. when I've been around mm-hmm. and like I'm a decent road cyclist. I cannot figure this thing out. It is so hard. Yeah, it's like a, getting it's in a balance right. Completely ride. different ball game. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. You gotta. It takes about two months to learn to just actually get on it and ride. Yeah, a couple yeah. of meters, usually. So from unicycling, because I'm at, I'm fortunate enough to go to college with you, Steve. Mm-hmm. And at college, especially coming in last year, you were the sports guy. Yeah. Um, unfortunately didn't get sports rep on a technical, he was robbed, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And you were, you were the disc guy. When did you, yeah. and that's also a niche sport. Yeah. I, I liken it to so people say, oh, why doesn't disc have referees? And I say, it's because it, the players are the referees of other sports. So they're all sick of, <laughs> <laughs> they're all sick of refereeing. Uh, what got you into disc? Um, just ISO sport. You um, only recently started playing yeah, disc. Yeah, yeah. So I started playing in 2020 ISO Ultimate Frisbee for B&G and then mm. just kind of went from there. And then Johan, one of my close friends, he was playing for ANU and then he, he convinced me to come along to a couple of ANU trainings and I just started playing for ANU. And then from that, you kind of jump up into the club Frisbee scene and start playing for a, a yeah. club in the, they call it the split season. So you just play for like, you know, in the single gender season um and then yeah it's just this continual kind of upwards trending thing yeah. where are you now on your on your flight on the disc as you will i'm at an interesting crossroads will because the next stage is the australian team and oh to play for play for australia which is and you coming, started this sport in 2020 2020 and the selections are coming up at the end of this year but i have to make a decision whether i want to pursue that and play for australia or to pursue maybe a different hobby and uh potentially <laughs> and keep that up path, path, you know start my way on a different unique sport or hobby in, in, in two weeks we'll have steven here talking about rubik's cubes <laughs> cubing well, as they call it <laughs> <laughs> it's a verb now what the hell? um but like steve you know i love you to bits mm-hmm. you know i think you're the most amazing love, person love i've ever too, met Gus, of course. but is that not an indictment on disc as a sport that some cobber can walk in and within two years he's like he's representing the country at it. Oh no, hundred like percent. Yeah, you, you got you got to choose sports which have a small player base because you know if you if you started playing AFL or soccer or these big mainstream sports to get to get to that kind of level of they call it elite you know sporting yeah. level you have to start when you're four five six yeah. or just be an absolute freak of nature to and, get to that same stage. And so I think just there we've hit the kind of crux of Steve, mm-hmm. which is like. Pick the things that others don't so I can be really, really good at them. <laughs> Dude, are you sitting here 
Mao and just going, you prick. I've got <laughs> all of my toes to get to the they top of my two fucking year. <laughs> and in two years, you're bloody playing for Australia. What do you, what do you, what do you feel about this, Mao? Oh, I don't know. I, I like it because you're opening yourself up to being good at so many things and it's really cool. But it's also annoying because it's yeah. like all these people try so hard at one thing and may or may not make it, whereas yeah. Steve will try it and just make it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you, and inversely, what do you think of, could you have ever done anything like Mia in regards, you know, from four years old, I've had a crack at this and I'm sticking I, with it? I could not. I, I don't have the attention span. I yeah. tend to go through sports or things in a, on like a kind of two yearly basis. <laughs> right? I do it, get, get kind of good at it, and then be like, all right, I'm bored now. I'm going to try something else. Because it's interesting. I think we've got the dichotomy of the elite athlete here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, and like, yeah, that because you do have a good foundation. Like you, uh, yeah, like you are an elite athlete. Like you showed me the Strava of you cycling the entire length of Tasmania <laughs> over the summer. Like that was pretty crazy. And then we for the first like bush tour for the year, and was it O week or week one? Yeah, it was. It was really early on. We, it it ended early, and it was mm-hmm. out kind of near near the airport, just past the airport. So it's like sixteen kilometers from. It was uni like campus. K's in the end. Oh, 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From like where we live on campus. And uh, the bush stuff ended early and we're out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden there's like 500 uni students who need to get an Uber home. And there's like four Ubers going. So the, the, the price of an Uber back to uni, which normally would have been like 20 bucks, was like three racks, you know, at 4 a.m. that morning. And we just look at the Uber and Steve, who's also the IB coach for B&G, right? So you kind of, you like running. One of, one of one the of, IB coaches. He just looks at me, looks at the Uber price, looks at me, and he says, Gus, fucking running home. <laughs> 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 and at 4.30 in the morning, and just all we had was a couple of Red Bulls on us. Yeah. We yeah, ran half a marathon Not, not to mention that halfway there, we actually ran into Mia. In one oh, of those random yeah. Random coincidences oh, that could ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what happened? We were running home and we ran past your house as just as you got out the Uber. Yeah. And then you have a dog and a spa. And so we played with the dog <laughs> and went in the spa and you gave us like a couple of muesli bars and then we were on our way again. Yeah, it was freaky. So on like a random backcountry road just happened to be that we chose to make this random call to turn left down this road and we're like, oh yeah, this will be fine. And we saw this car approaching. And we saw it's like, oh, this is a bit creepy. It's like five in the morning. There's a car approaching from the opposite direction, you know. And like where where it ended up being three of us, you know, three right. two of us were shirtless and then running down this middle back yeah. road, like That's actually terrible. no, we're gonna creep this car out a little bit more. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the people in the car get out. I'm like, is that no? It can't be. And then it just was me up at like a you know like a a farm almost. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. Well, apparently we're known now. Like, uh, I get people coming up to me about to be like. Oh, you're the guy that ran home for that door store. <laughs> like I put it on Strava because I thought it would be pretty funny to like post something at, like yeah. 4 a.m. in the morning. And I've done like like 150 kilometer rides plus. Yeah. And I posted that that one uh, run on Strava. Way more kudos than anything else I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Um, do we want to? Yeah, uh, I think it's. I think. It's, I find it so funny how Steve has just come across, as we were doing a podcast with Mia, they just happen to be great mates. Yeah. And both, you know, as I said, the dichotomy, you've got Mia worked all her bloody life 
to do these things, but you've also got Steve who just works extremely hard in pockets at sports, both just as respectful, respectable as the other. What is one thing from each other's journey that you would take and hope to have going forward? I think... I think one thing that I've you know heard about and seen from Mia is just the the commitment and that that she had to get to that stage. And I know that I always don't have that commitment um, and kind of the the passion to push through that wall to get to the point where to to increase in that level of skill and expertise. You have to work so much harder to make such more marginal gains. Mm. I've never been able to push through that wall. I always get to that point and then I just go okay. You know, this is me. <laughs> and then I, I take the skills I learn. I move to somewhere else. Mm. And that's, that is something that I, I wonder, you know, how far could I get if I did continue to push and did continue to put in the work to make those marginal gains that, you know, put you above that level of, of the top bracket. Is that because of a not a lack of effort or is it because you kind of like n- not doing that? Like you kind of like getting to that level and going, I've conquered this onto the next one? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely enjoy the novelty of trying a new sport or yeah. a new hobby. Yeah. And that novelty is what excites me to try a new one and put in that effort. And then once I lose that novelty, I kind of lose that passion. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mia? Um, no, I think it's super inspiring that you don't have to reduce yourself to one identity. You, you are the frisbee man, you are the running man, you are the cyclist and the unicyclist man. <laughs> And the party animal <laughs> and the environmentalist. Like, yeah. and, and, the good, <laughs> and the SR. And the SR. The SR, Steve speaking. And, yeah, and that you can do all these things and be good at them if you just try at all of them. And I thought that you couldn't be good at anything else. You could just be good at one thing. Mm. Um, so I think it's pretty awesome. And I, I do like to wrap up the podcasts with tips but however, I feel they've just given us the tips of our, of our day. You know, if you try everything, never say no to a, to a new experience if, that you might be interested in. And if you find something that you are interested in, go your hardest and push yourself through those barriers is what I reckon. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, you two. Uh, that's, that's probably enough from me. Gus, anything, anything to add? No, I don't think so. I just... You guys make me smile. Like, you know, like, this, they're such great stories. And, yeah, like, you, these guys, like, the two people sitting in front of us are just, like, testament to why the show exists, you know. Like, oh, yeah, you would have no idea how amazing these people are <laughs> if you didn't, like, prod and prod and prod, yeah. you know. Which we have. Which yeah. we have. <laughs> um, guys, anything? No, th- thank you for, you know, having, having me on. I just rode past. <laughs> so yeah. you see your beautiful faces. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> There would have been no other way to get Steve on this podcast than what has just happened, his by circumstance. Um, keep your powder dry. Uh, look after yourselves, look after your friends and tell the people that you love that you love them. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs>